This is an independent podcast. Nathan here. We're proud to have Syntax Strategic as our sponsor. Syntax, led by entrepreneur Jennifer Stewart, is an all-female Canadian public relations and marketing firm that believes in supporting people like us dudes, those who want to tell stories of others and make the world a little bit better and brighter. I'm David Sobolov. I'm a voice actor, and this is my interview with the Interview Dudes. Hi, thank you for joining us. So, what has been your favorite thing to voice act in, or just act in? Well, the um, the answer I usually give to that question is I love all my children equally, but that's not a good answer because it doesn't even answer the question. So, I'll think of a couple things. Um, many years ago, I did a role called RoboCop. It was like the famous RoboCop. It was an animated animated version, and it was a comedy version, which was weird and fun. And that was like 1998. And then Beast Wars that I did in Vancouver as well was a lot of fun. It was a character called Depth Charge. Uh, one I'm doing now called uh, Grodd in The Flash is also a wonderful role. The Psychic Gorilla. See, my favorite role of yours is a certain character named Kaido. Ah, you like the Kaido. Yeah. I know I know Ben liked that. Ben's Ben's a major One Piece fan. Thank you so much for doing that. You're welcome. So what do you think is your uh favorite show that you've worked on? Well we just mentioned a few there, but um what other ones could I do? Could I say, well, let's go on to One Piece. You know, that's new. That's been a lot of fun. You know what I do with One Piece? That might be different than what a lot of people do with when they're actors. It's already been created in Japanese, but I don't look at it. I get into the studio. I don't even know what the script is, and I just play like I'm there for real in the moment. And it's it's fun just discovering it with him. When when you were doing your voice acting for Kaido, did you do it all at once or did you sort of like do a few episodes and then stop and then the next day do a few episodes or like the next month do a few episodes or something like that? It's like that. It's all split up. Maybe we'll do four episodes in one day and then I don't do any for two weeks or for a month. Mm-hmm. Um, we're way behind. Um, I think we're 100 episodes behind right now. So how long have you been doing voice acting and has it changed since you first started? I've been doing it almost 30 years and a few ways it's changed. Now, when we do auditions, we do them at home. Uh, we don't have to go in usually unless it's a, a second audition or a callback. Um, and especially with the pandemic, of course, everyone's doing everything from home. Um, but back then you didn't even have an ability to send anything in from home, really. So you were recording auditions where where you went. And if you did a demo, say, uh, to demonstrate your work, you would have to do a CD. You know, now, of course, it's all all online, an MP3. But that's changed a lot. And, and of course, we used to have ensemble casts where we'd all get together and do it like a play, like a radio play. And that's just started to change with the pandemic. And I do miss that a lot. So... 
Are there any characters you'd want to voice in the future? Well, I really like intelligent villains. So whatever intelligent villains come along, I would really like. Also, nothing, no, no specific characters, but I'll tell you, um, I don't get to do a lot of comedy. And that's a lot of fun when I get to do that. I did Ben 10. And that was a real treat to do something different rather, rather than all the usual evil characters that I do or, uh, or uh, bombastic heroes. I heard that you're also a producer and a director. Which one do you like better and why? Well, I'm getting more into directing now. Um, I created my own cartoon series, and I'm hoping to get that produced in the next couple of years called Captain Fingers. Uh, and that's been such a great journey for me. That was my pandemic project. I had lots of extra time, and I, I was able to develop that show over that time. But um, I like both, really. But I've directed some small films, and it, it has great things about it. Because I, I, I think I'm an actor's director. So working with actors, since I've been acting for many, many years, I think I speak their language. It makes it very easy to get uh, easier, anyway, to get great performances out of them, I think. Um, and, you know, what? the key, though, is hire great actors and sit back and let them entertain you. You just guide them a little bit, they, and they give you great great performances without even having to say too much. And then a lot of the directing, my favorite part of directing, frankly, is in the editing, because it's like a whole other uh, time directing it. You get a, another chance, in a sense. Are there any characters that you would want to go back and revoice them because your like, view on the character changed after? I can't even remember what it it was, but there was one specific one in a video game many years ago where they hadn't shown me the picture of the character. And then I did the performance, and then it really didn't match. I would have wanted to go back and match it better, but sometimes they don't have it available. Mm. One in particular, I think, was Mass Effect. Uh, there was this Dr. Bryson character that I played in Mass Effect, and he just wasn't as I pictured him. I think I would have voiced him a bit differently. But no major characters. Yeah, Nathan has done some small movies, I guess. Okay, those were a long time ago, but yeah. Those were a long time ago, but he has done them. And uh, yeah, they're super cool. Yeah, I've gotten to do some on camera as well, like Nathan. And not much, but yeah, it's a great experience when I get to do it. How long ago did you uh, act in movies or, or on TV, Nathan? Well, I wasn't really on TV. I mean, I was on TV. There was this one time, but like. That doesn't matter. I well, not not interview dudes. I was on TV for one time, but I do these like short movies for like YouTube, mm -hmm. or, or I did them a long time ago when I had a different voice and I sounded a lot different. And mm -hmm. they're kind of some of them are good, some of them are um, kind of um, embarrassing, but like they're still they're still fun to watch over and over again. Well, I hope if you think of doing them, you want to still do them, that you go back and do it again because you know everyone should follow their dreams. And, and not, like, let things go. If you're wishing you could do it, you should try to do it. Yeah. So about those uh, small movies, right? What are the steps in, like, making those small movies? Because I know they have to be, plen like, plenty different. From well, if you're, doing one, if you're doing one that's that's professional, you know, that's not just um, done at home. I mean, you can do some great movies with just your iPhone. But if you're going to produce it and, and you have to make sure that your budget is taken care of, and it seems like uh, the boring part, but if the money isn't there, you have a lot of surprises. You want to make sure that you're on set and and you're able to, everything you need is there and you're not worried about anything. I know now, 
there's a lot of COVID protocol issues that you have to go through. And I had a friend that created a movie that was uh, produced a movie that was shot on a lake and the union asked him to do an environmental testing of the lake and he wasn't expecting that. So things that add costs are tough, but once you're past the budget part, if you're, if you're a good planner, you always want to plan everything out in advance. And also I like to do a storyboard now when I'm directing. So some directors don't even do that, but I like to plan out the shots because the stuff that I've worked on when we've never done maybe the whole thing as a storyboard, uh, exactly to the storyboard, if there's only been a, a section of it, I was always happiest with the part that was planned. Um, so, I mean, there's room for creativity. There's room to um, just vary what you do. But if you plan really well, it almost looks more um, off the cuff than if you don't. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So you were saying um, you did a bit of voice acting in video games. So mm -hmm. how is it like voice acting in video games, like compared to movies? Is there like any difference? Oh, huge difference with a movie. It's really important that I'm there in the studio and at Paramount, for instance, I've done uh, some work for Paramount in the past. Um, you go into a room that's um, for, for dubbing, mainly the cast would mainly come in there for dubbing their part that already been in there, but I'm doing CGI characters in live action movies. And you have this enormous screen, almost the size of an IMAX screen, it seems. It's not really that big, but almost. And it helps you do a bigger performance. With video games, you're also, um, well, here's the difference too between video games and, and cartoons. You don't ever have the chance to have the cast with video games. Almost never. You're isolated by yourself. And everything you do, you have to imagine everything else around you. Um, the movie, quite often, vo voicing a part of the movie, it's already been shot. Or like when I do The, the Flash, it's a week or two after they shot the episode. So you get that um, advantage of being able to see everything. But video games, it's completely in your imagination, pretty much. So... I see that you did a voice for Star Wars Battlefront, which was a, a game that me and Nathan used to play a lot, and we both really liked it. Is there any other character in Star Wars that you would like to voice act in the future or even do for fun? Um, Nothing specific in Star Wars, to be honest. I, I, really, I have a really weird way of looking at it, I think. I mean, there's iconic characters. Most of those people already have the roles, if you think about it. Um, I just, I like the idea of new things that have never been created before and be able to get, get them going from scratch. I do actually do recreate a lot of classic characters. It seems like when I, I'm doing, for instance, well, Drax was in the comic books, but, and I did it as a series, but characters that existed before in the DC or the Marvel universe. And I don't actually go back and look at them at all. I just try to do a brand new way, a brand new interpretation of them. So I, I, yeah, I know most people will have a whole list of things that they wish they could do, you know, characters, but I, I just, I like to do something new. The variety of it is what excites me. Well, since One Piece is an anime, and this is sort of similar to Nathan's question, mm -hmm. how do you like, how do you do it differently? Because it, well, there must be some difference. <laughs> oh yeah. Anime in particular, it's already been produced. It's already gone out to the world but you put your mark on it as best you can, but you have a very tight constraint. You have to match those lip flaps. So everything has to make sense as if you were speaking it in English. So the translation is really complicated to get it from Japanese to English. And then to make it look like he's speaking in English is also a, a thing too. But in our case with, with Kaido, 
the Japanese as a guide, but culturally it's portrayed very differently in Japan than it would be here. What might be maybe a normal portrayal there would be feel melodramatic here. So we're changing the way he's approached, I think, for the U.S. market, the Canadian market. It's um, uh, my idea with Kaido is that basically he's probably drunk all the time. So he's always very, very relaxed until he's angry. And then he wakes up for a second. You were you were talking about how uh, to get them look like they're speaking English. And mm-hmm. that's something my dad always talks about when he sees me watching anime. That's all he can focus on is their speaking. And then it's just their mouths going up and down. That's all he can think about. He can't focus on the story. That's that's uh, it. Well, I um I don't focus on it too much. I let the director do it. We have all sorts of technical things that help us uh, match things up, and then they move them around. If I'm, I've got to watch those flip flaps, but at the same time, it can't be my main consideration, or I wouldn't be able to act the part very well. What's it like when you watch a show and you hear your own voice? doing the character what's the what's that like i don't think of it that way i think of it as the character and sometimes i'll go well how did that come out of my mouth like i don't even remember doing it i just remember the feeling of it and i'm able to recreate it but if i listen to it i may not even recognize it as me although my i'm kind of like an on-camera actor you can usually tell it's me it's just a variation on the deeper voice but I'm, i'm playing a different person's life and no, some people are really bothered when they hear their own voice, so they never want to hear their own voice. I don't, I don't mind because I don't think of it as me. Mm-hmm. You were saying like, ha ha ha, you don't mind hearing your own voice. Well, for well, yeah, for me, sometimes I make the videos, and then especially with the like the, especially with the older ones, I hate hearing my voice because I mm. probably sound, I probably sound, I, I sound really different. Everyone thinks that, and I find it just you know, really really weird. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a really basic thing with acting, and especially with uh, auditioning for actors. The character doesn't know your life circumstance. So if you feel, I'm not talking about you personally, but just in general, if you feel that you're uncomfortable hearing your own voice, if you really do think of it as a character, then that character is going through different things than you are. Um, it's being perceived by the world as something different, too. You know, they're you're, they're watching the character. They're not thinking of you and judging you. and I think you'd be surprised how I think how few people in the industry are judging um, what they're seeing. They're trying to take things as an an artistic thing and not, oh, look at him. Look at the way he sounds. It's the way the character sounds for me anyway. So you've been in this like industry for quite a while, right? Mm -hmm. You've been I think you've been working with a lot of things. So what's like your What's your favorite? What was your favorite thing to work on, like, and the journey with, like the journey through it? Well, you you are very you're really pressing me on this. This is this is you've asked this a couple times now. What is the thing that meant the most to me? You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna come up with something else here. There was a show called um, Kaijudo. Do any of you guys know what it is? Very few people have seen it. It was on a U.S. network called The Hub. I don't even know if it aired in Canada. Um, it was a wonderful character because he was this big angry almost seemed like a a monster but he had this sweet heart and he partnered with this this guy to go on their adventures together and is strangely sensitive and um yet powerful 
it was nice to have the, those two parts. And I look for the whatever interesting humanity aspects the character has, and not just a, something that's just a voice, you know? I'm much more interested in a character than a voice. And that Kaijudo show was really special to me. Hmm. Yeah, so... So you 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 um you voice a lot of Drax in Marvel animations and games. So can you tell us about that and like the process? Well, initially they were trying to work out the story on uh, adapted for television. So they hired a, a number of people to do the, the Guardians of the Galaxy, and we did special episodes of established shows to just sort of they were getting used to it, what it was going to be. They already knew. I mean, I think in terms of story and, and character. But in terms of how it would work for television and also casting, they, it's in a sense, it was almost a process of elimination for them. And I was very fortunate. I was the only one that made it from the first performance all the way to the series. They replaced everyone else or they had to for different circumstances. Um, so once we were in the series, the movie hadn't even come out yet. So they, they said that we're, they had an idea what they wanted, but there's never going to be a sound alike because when we started, no one had even heard the sound of the characters in the movies and they wouldn't let us see it. <laughs> so we didn't get a preview or anything. And then we just went through it. You know, it was 26 episodes uh, for three seasons and done in an ensemble, um, like a radio play. And uh, one of the best experiences of my life it was great. Might be probably the last mate might actually be the last 26 episode half hour series that I'll ever do because the industry's changing. You know, there's a lot of shorter stuff now. A lot of 11-minute shows, and even shorter. Well, there's one more thing I want to talk about before we leave, if you have a second. Yeah, sure. I want to hear how you guys do a little voice acting today. All right. So my character, Grodd on The Flash, if he's, a see, he's, he's angry about something. This happened in the first season, and he says he feels it's prejudice, actually. Somebody offers him a banana, thinking he's a gorilla, so, of course, he's going to like a banana. And he says, um, Grodd hate Banana. Let me hear all three of you do that one at a time. I'm just I'm all taking right. a little show here, but Wait. I thought. So what does he say? Grod hate banana. Grod okay. Hate banana. Okay, I'll go. Okay. Grod hate banana. Nathan. All right. Grod hate banana. Ben. Grod hate banana. And that's sort of an angry version. Now, what if he was like being kind of um more like human and, and sensitive at one point he, he talks about the the woman that helped raise him named, named caitlin and he said caitlin always kind caitlin always kind more sensitive grod nathan um so like in the same voice no whatever way well, well the same character but you you're into your own inter interpretation so wait, what does he say? Caitlin always. Caitlin always kind. So he's this big angry gorilla that you think he's angry, but he's being sensitive in that moment. What would that say? Mm. Caitlin always kind. How about you, Jack? <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Mine's gonna be worse. Okay, Ben. Caitlin always kind. Oh no! You're at the age where you your guys, voice cracks. You, it was great. You guys are playing Yoda right now. All right. <laughs> Caitlin, always kind? Yeah, but you don't even sound like a gorilla. <laughs> okay, but... Relax okay, listen here, Ben. Uh, listen here. Uh, <laughs> no, you were fine. You were fine. That was great. Personally, I think we should be professional voice actors after Could that. Be. Honestly. Yeah, agreed. I don't know, though. Thanks for coming. On the podcast. It was a pleasure interviewing you, David.
it was a pleasure being here. Uh, hope to see you again sometime. And everybody, if you want to find me on social media, I'm still on Twitter as long as it lasts at Voloboss, my last name backwards, or my website is Sobolov.com. Thanks, guys. This podcast is hosted by the interview dudes, Jack Charon, Nathan Cox, and Ben Peters. Produced by James Charon. Music by Kevin McLeod at Incomptech.com. That's I-N-C-O-M-P-T-E-C-H dot com. Thanks for listening.